I'm Jensen Beeler. And I am Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiast Podcast. Quentin, marathon recording session. This is part two of our ICMA coverage. If you haven't listened to part one already, go back in time, cue it up, give it a listen. We cover all the Italian bikes from the ICMA show in Milan. And in this episode, we'll cover the rest of the European models and all the non-European models that came out. So um, like the last one, I think we got a lot of information to get through. Um, I think we should just jump right into it. Sure. And, and when you say cue it up, I do that every day. <laughs> You're living the the dream. I cue it, it up. up every day. You cue it up hard. <laughs> you you cue it up harder than like the the Brits do <laughs> when they get in line. <laughs> They're all about the cue. They love the cue. Spain, Italy, not so no, much. Oh, they are all about the scattered bullshit. <laughs> We're all going. It's fucking law of the jungle. Oh my gosh, oh, it's, it's so like, frustrating. It's like Lord of the Flies. It's just like, ah, oh, kill Piggy. And it's hard to explain that to people. In the United States, everybody gets in a line. That's part no, of what yeah. you do, right? Except for like New York and New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, but even then, right? Way better than Italy. Oh the, my God. Oh my God, five o'clock in the morning trying to fly out of Bologna. A bizarre. How, it's, just, it's just cluster. I was trying to explain to someone what going to the Eichmann show in Milan is like. Because, because <laughs> I it, bet it, it is horrible. It, so, I, you know, we didn't really, we didn't really talk about about this in the last episode probably to our detriment so maybe it's good to get to it now but you know i've been more times than i can remember now i think i've been three or four times they all kind of blur together but it, it's interesting that the the fiero milano where where the the show is held it's at like the end of the milan metropolitan rail and it's kind of it's kind of a scam in a way because like you try and get like the the all week pass or whatever because if you're, you're if you're at the show you're going like multiple times uh, throughout the week and it's cheaper to get like the, I don't know, 30 euro pass or whatever, but it doesn't yeah. cover going to the Fiero. So when you, not. when you get there, the Milan, um, transit police or whatever are waiting for you to make sure that you bought like the special seven euro ticket or whatever it uh -huh. is, which unless you're like a local, you don't know about and they sure. just tag you for 50 euro fines just uh -huh. left and right. And it's just total, it's total cluster, but it's always funny because on the busiest days when the, the, uh, all the consumers and everyone are showing up the big crowds and it's just this mass of people trying to get through and you've got the Metro police just grabbing people left and right, trying to check their tickets and everyone's trying to get into like the one carousel that's working because it's Italy and like almost nothing works sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's just, Oh man. Or there's people on strike or there's so well, many that, that's things. always the possibility too. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then you finally get to the show and it's, it's unlike anything you've seen because imagine like, I would say each, um, hall is like the size of a football field yeah and there's like well, like football the, or like american football okay. like like man sport football uh -huh, not sure. fall down because someone blew on you football <laughs> blew on you or blew go blue i blew myself <laughs> you gotta watch arrested development i don't know how you're not watching this show sorry oh it's so good is that the eagle's nose or something yeah the, fal okay. the falcon nose like a falcon nose like a falcon. i just blew myself although I mean, there's so many good little lines from that uh-huh we digress. Anyway, so there's there's so there's I'm trying to think. Eichmann uses, I think, fourteen halls. Holy crap! Fourteen I mean, football fields worth. Yeah, of don't don't quote me on the number, but they use a lot, and it's just it's just impressive. Like you could probably, if you could see all the way through all of them, and I bet you know they've got like those modular walls and everything. I bet sure. if they opened them all up, I literally think you could see the curvature of the Earth. <laughs> the, the only thing I can I can like liken it to was when I took the California bar exam. We were in a similar kind of room. And you know, I think there's like 2,000 people taking tests. Wow! In this like kind of 
Where? Trade expos in San Francisco. Okay. I've totally repressed it. Don't uh, even know. And ex- don't even remember it. They just, I don't even remember. But I just remember because I was, I was seated fairly towards the back. And I remember looking at like, there's like this one um, little podium with a microphone where like the head proctor is kind of like giving you the, the things. Proctor? There. The proctor, yeah. He's mm-hmm. proctor and exam. Proctologist? No, it's a proctor. Wow. You don't remember this? No. Maybe you, you, I've probably taken a lot more standardized tests than you have. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Proctologist. All right, so bottom line, anyways, you see the curvature, curvature of the earth. Curvature of the earth, uh, for sure. And it just reminds me of that, where it's just it's just mammothly big, mammothly big, and it's impressive, and um, it's an event. People show up to it. Like we go to the the IMS shows, you go to the AM Expo, and you know you can see some crowds, but nothing like ICMA. I I, I don't know the the attendance figures off the top of my head. I want to say it's like thirty thousand people, something like that. Like a lot of people, multi sure. national events. They're just now starting to catch on that. They should stop doing the presentations in Italy. That's been like the kind of the trend the last couple of years. Like first year I went, man, especially if it was an Italian brand, everything was in Italian and like only BMW seemed to be like smart enough. Like, Hey, we're going to give a presentation in German, but we're going to have a translator with a little ear yeah. headset thing for you. Yeah. And now everything's pretty much English because I think they're realizing this is a truly international sure. event and you need to be world level for it. Uh, it's an amazingly impressive show to go to in person. I would, I would dare say it's a bucket list item for any motorcycle enthusiast. I've been hearing that for a long time. You know, it's, it's, it's not riding Phillip Island. It's not riding in the Alps. It's not, you know, transcontinental American trail. Sure. But, um, it's, it's a spectacle. It's something, you know, it's a part of this industry. It's a part of being, uh, uh, experiencing what this, this industry has to offer. You're seeing, you know, it's like going to MotoGP round in Europe. Like, it makes everything we do here look bush league. Like even Austin, the MotoGP run in yeah. Austin is the diet Coke version of going to Magello or Catalonia or any of the European rounds where they have these, you know, multi-level hospitality suites and then the full livery and everything's out there and going on. It's, diet it's Coke, impressive. Not Shasta. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I would not go that far. I'd say Moto Amer- any Moto America round is probably like the RC Cola. Hey, of- don't hack on RC. RC's good. RC Cola. You know what I Shasta do? Is- I don't even eat at restaurants anymore that have RC Cola here in Portland. Oh, because like I should preface, RC Cola is a thing in Portland. Like, it it's, is. It's a big it's deal. The, like, we don't it. we don't like our Coke, Coca-Cola, so we're gonna get our RC Cola. And I Royal re- Crown. I man. will literally right? just like, oh, you, you have Royal Crown? I'll just take a water then. Thanks. I'm good. Yeah, I just, oh, it's just. I have a 12 pack of the stuff in my house enjoy right that. now. You can just drink all that. I love it. But I also like it to break up the Coke, right? If you do the same tastes over and over and over. Right? Yeah. All right. Enough of this shit. Let's get on with bike. Yeah. Motorcycles. <laughs> motorcycles. Rapster. So people don't know, we, we literally just recorded the first Eichmann show and we're just double heading this one. So we're a little loopy. It's going to be an interesting show. Bear with us. Um, don't rate the show on iTunes. Let's just, this, keep, let's, keep, this is a freebie. This is just let it go. Right. <laughs> I am now, um, most of the way through a Breakside IPA local Portland brewery and it's tasty. So I'm happy. Well, I just had some milk and cookies. So, uh, <laughs> good talk. Uh, BMW scrambler. That was the big, uh, unveil from the Germans. Um, we saw that coming though. I, yeah. I, I was, I was a little disappointed in BMW, in the sense that the only real uh, bike of substance that they brought was was the R9T Scrambler. So that's their so the R9T T as in capital T. What, uh, is, what is the what is the military code for T? Tango. Tango. 
I would just say titties. And the, it's the like, NATO oh, phonetics. Took everything away to say that. All right. So tango, not 9D, but no. that was the thing. All right. But, so. but it's based, it was, so it came out the 90th year of BMW. It's that air cooled Boxster twin modular chassis design. So, so it's very, you know, we, we've, we've touched on this uh, bike uh, in a previous episode, two episodes ago, and I don't think we need to get into it too much, but um, yeah, I think just the overall feel from, from BMW was a little disappointing in that, that, that was the big reveal they they brought to Milan. We'd already basically seen the concept at the Wheels and Waves uh, gathering, and uh, there was no real surprises there other than, you know, it's going to cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, well, what, do they give a price? They don't give a price for the Scrambler, but based on the R9T's price, yeah, sure. Um, I think we're, we're going to be in a little bit of a... I don't know, man. This thing has some stuff. Like, it's got right-side-up forks. You know, part spin special brakes, not nothing like that stuff's fairly inexpensive. So maybe they may manage to get the price point down. Yeah, not hating on it. It doesn't look like bad equipment. It's just not upside down trick stuff. Fair and fair enough. And I hear you. And yeah, I hope you're right. But at the same time, the base model R9T starts at 15 grand. Yeah, sure. So you're already sitting there going like, man. That wasn't an impediment to too many people, though. They sold right they sold out of those a lot things, of those right? bikes. And, and I can see why. You know, I think you've got that. You got a lot of these guys that are still into the air cooled uh, boxer twin. Yeah. It's a it's a good looking bike. Uh, it had a great um, parts catalog, accessories catalog from BMW. Sure. You could really customize it. Tons of different seats, tons of different exhausts, uh, different looks and things like that. So and this I, thing's I got some it. sweet five spoke rims that look cool because I've never seen anything like that on a BMW or I. It's been a while, so I kind of like well, at least one derivative of it has these five spoke rims. They're star shaped. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know uh, the the engines just hanging out there. Eh, whatever, I'm not. I'm not hating. I, I like the Boxer Twin for what it is. I'm. Not, it's not. I'm not one of those like diehard guys about it. But it's it's something different. It's something cool. They they've got a. It's a good little power plant. You know they make good they make good power. They make good torque. Yeah. Um, you know the only thing I don't like is when you drop one or crash one. Like you're basically cylinder head getting yeah. replaced kind of yeah. thing. Or at least the the cover. I should say uh, they've gotten pretty good at, at arming those things up, so it's just a cover that you're replacing. Sure, but I've I've definitely done that twice to a motorcycle. Yeah. yeah, I whatever. In fact, I think every boxer BMW I've ridden, <laughs> I've crashed. Uh oh, that's probably not a good trend. I hope no one from BMW North America is hearing that. No, not that an, they invite me to press launches, anyways. No, that's an opportunity, not a problem. That's an opportunity to get Jensen on one of these things and say, hey. Here's your opportunity to not crash this motorcycle. Yeah, we'll see. I don't think they see it that way, but that's fine. I don't think we need to to talk too much about that. We, we, nope. We've wasted a lot of space on that in, in previous episodes. Sure. But what I do want to talk about in BMW realm is the, <laughs> the Wonderleash uh, BMW R1200 GSLC, which is this interesting concept that they uh, debuted at the on Wednesday. And it's basically you, you got your version. Wonderlay. Yeah. Wonderlay. This is this is fun because Google Translate doesn't seem to have a lot of consistency on on how we pronounce Wonderlay. this. <laughs> and you're like a little kid with that thing. But anyway, so this is a concept that has um so so Wonderlish is this German aftermarket parts specialist for BMW bikes. Kind of like Tour Tech. Kind of like Tour Tech, but they're they're interesting in the sense that they they've done a lot of work, especially um building kind of one-off custom bikes. They've done a lot of work with uh, a French designer, Nicolas Petit, who's 
inked some interesting stuff and it get, it's gotten them a lot of press i would say in the internet in the international motorcycle space and i think honestly is like a really uh good example of how like a boutique brand how kind of like you know this brand that really we should only know about if we're German because it kind of just sits in that space can can get a larger market, kind of like how Motor Corsa did with the Terra Corsa in there, sure. and the uh, Managali uh, calendar. You know, you can you can be this small little boutique place and have an international presence if you're very clever about it, and they've done a really good job of that. and And this concept is is a great example of that because they basically took the BMW R1200 GS and added an electric hub motor to the front uh, wheel to make it a two wheel drive hybrid motorcycle. And, um, you know, Quinn, I'm actually stoked that this came out and that we can talk about it because you own a Christini. Yeah. And so you were very well acquainted with the two wheel drive, all wheel drive system. Of and a I love it. I think it's very effective. It's an amazing thing to have on a motorcycle. Yeah. So seeing this and the way they've, well, at least the way it's presented, it, it, it is as, as with the Christini, it's not driving the front wheel as much as the rear wheel is being driven. It's not sending a whole lot of power through. Right. Right. You're, you're using it. It augments the rear. And I have to say, uh, the, at least the way the Christini works, which it's a fairly complex system, it's, it's, it's not that complex, though, right, for me. Looking at the, the way it transfers the power, it actually it's designed very simply but there's a lot of parts right. a lot of moving parts right so there it's hard it's hard to explain that whereas i would say many of motorcycle engines they're really complex and they're design complex they're, they're just, it's this isn't it's not that bad so this though it it takes away all that it's a, an electric motor in the front wheel as simple as you can get right yeah it's a, it's, it's a pretty elegant solution i mean you're going to have obviously some more unsprung weight because those those hub motors aren't aren't light no sure um but the trade-off is interesting, and I've, and I've ridden your Christina a few times, and it's it's interesting to see when you go through a turn, especially if the if the train's loose or, or slippery, and that front wheel catches for you and, and kind of drags you uh, around the curve or around the turn, whatever you're doing. A lot of people ask, what so it, does it torque steer? Does it what what is the biggest thing? And it and it's hard to explain it to people because I've been riding it so long that I don't notice it. And if I switch it off because it is switchable. Um, Frankly, most of the time I don't even notice that I don't have it on. It's only when I get on a really slippery slope and I've forgotten to engage it that I, I, I'll be going up saying, man, this thing, this is really hard to get up this one trail. I don't know why. And then I'll stop because my skill has run out and I think, oh, I forgot to switch on the Christini mode. So I go and then it just mountain goats right up from a standstill on a steep incline, right? Okay, that's one where, place where you notice it. The other place is if you're going up a trail and you get sideways and you add some body English and your front wheel, you point the front wheel uh, up either side of the trail and you give it gas, it will then go right up the side of the trail. Whereas if, you were, if you're doing the same thing and adding body English with a rear wheel only, then you'd just be using the rear wheel to steer. Well, the, when, when in, in most situations on the front wheel, it'll drag you up sideways on a trail and and it's hard to explain that to yeah. people right for, for me as a more novice off-road rider i find it very point and shoot like i kind of like it in that sense that um when the two-wheel drive is engaged you can just point the front tire where you want to go yeah you might be sliding around with the rear but the the front will drag the rear back in line kind of thing for the most part the yeah. other thing that so the helps uh are also say somebody like me on a track on a on a motocross track um 
I had a tendency because I'm a road racer for a long time, like street bike slash road racer forever. Got this bike not too deep into my dirt bike uh, time, so I, I wasn't that good with it. Boy, would that thing have a tendency to uh, help me out. Like I'd be in the middle of a corner and I, my body would start moving off the inside of the bike like I'm road racing where I should be pushing the bike down the opposite way. And I would, it, the front would wash and I'd whiskey throttle and then the front would grab and bring me through the corner, right? And it, it, it still happens. If I get tired, I start road racing the bike a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Other is sand. Holy crap, it's good in sand. Snow. I can go through snow. Not <laughs> excellently, but better than a bike with only rear-wheel drive, right? Oh, and you have experienced this. Yeah. You have ridden this bike on the snow. And I vaguely remember pulling an inner tube behind it. That's right. <laughs> that was epic. We it, should... was, it was epic until I almost like catapulted Shannon into a telephone Yeah, pole. he was dragging my wife with a with a you know, on an inner tube down my block. <laughs> yeah, the snow apocalypse right right before the uh, one show a couple. Yeah, years ago. that was so that was two years ago. We're gonna yeah. have to make sure to link to that video. I'm sure that video is out there oh, in the ether somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. All right. So bottom line is, I enjoy it now with with a bike this large. I don't know. I can't see any reason why not. I right? think it'd be better, sure. especially with the electric. It I makes more sense. It makes more sense because I think it's gonna be one of those things where. You know, and I think, you know, you and I have had this conversation about the Christini where I think it makes a, a greener rider, a novice rider better. Yes. A, a really veteran, hardcore. It means nothing. It probably, no. it's not. They have momentum and skill. They've, they can get up anything. Well, they've already they've... figured out how to do it with one wheel. Sure. You know, the skill sets, there's no need to reinvent the skill set because they already have the skill set necessary. And when I got uh, on the bike, I was a beginner and yeah. it made me an intermediate. Like yeah. I could go up stuff with friends. I wasn't fast, but I could get up it and it was like pressing the easy button, right? So that that that's how I explain it to people. If you're not that good, yeah, it's good, but then it gives you a crutch. Right? Well, that's the thing, yeah, and you don't develop some of those those skills that you would otherwise. But that's where I see it being really a uh, a boon for the adventure uh, tour segment because you know you're not going to be pushing a GS like you would a 250 on a trail. It's going to be a different kind of riding style. You're not going to you know really getting your leg out there and pushing it down and doing all that jazz. So I can see the two-wheel drive really helping a big bike like the GS get through some of the more gnarly stuff, being a little bit more of a crutch so you're not pushing the limits of this bike. You know, Especially you know if you're on a 2,000-mile road trip and you're in the middle of it and you're doing some off-road stuff, you can't afford to, to bash a radiator or bash a cylinder. You know, the Going down sometimes can be, can be a bad news bear. And that's why you armor those bikes up because they need to be able to, to tip over and fall down and keep on going to get you to your destination. And the irony is, though, that so they, we call it farkling. Yeah. A lot of BMP, BMW people call it farkles. We add tharkles. They add so many farkles, it, it's it's like it eats itself in the end. You're going, it's a never ending circle. Yeah, it's a death spiral at that right? point. Right? Okay. And I think we've I, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah, we did. I'm sorry if we're repeating ourselves, but you may, you you arm it up, you make it heavier. It's easier to crash. It's harder to get up. You put more shit on it, then it's and on and on and on. So there's a balance to be found. To get back to the point, I think I think it'd be very I'd be very curious to ride this bike. I don't know how they're engaging the 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 front motor uh, if it's linked to the throttle. Uh, the GS has a ride by wire throttle. So uh, I imagine it taps into the ECU somehow. I'm seeing there's a very crude kind of dial setting on the bike. And I think that's the regen. And oh, and it can go in reverse. So I like that. <laughs> oh, that, wow. Yeah, but so why not? Of course to, you would. To back you out of a parking spot sure. or back you out of like a rut or whatever. Like there's some value there. I think it's three kilometers in reverse and like 25 kilometers by itself going forward. 
Um, so yeah, you, could, says, you could it, silent mode up to a giraffe while you're on safari in oh, Africa. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, or sneak up to the pretty lady at the Starbucks that you're going to check out. Well, that's yeah. where you're going to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's why you need Hey, did you bags. see me go up that curb? I popped that curb. Yeah, now you're <laughs> hating. But, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's 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 certainly a lot more intriguing than anything that came from from BMW at ICMA. Although I will say, we you know, we, we've already talked about it, but the BMW ERR, which is the electric superbike, was on display at ICMA. Uh, so the Air. Oh, yeah. Error, um, to air as human. So right. they're they're definitely looking at that space. I, I for me, I think this is like a no brainer. I, I I can't wait to see like BMW or KTM get on the bandwagon because that's that's certainly something that's intriguing. It makes a lot of sense. It's a good application of electric drivetrains. It's it's it something is. that the uh, technology that's available now can can do well. Uh, the only thing I don't like, and this is because it's aftermarket. If you look at the the model that um is uh showing off there the it looks like the there's like a box underneath the uh, front fender under the beak of the bike and i think that's where all the electronics and all the battery oh that would be where they uh, put the battery being stashed. so obviously if you're doing if you're an oem and you're making this from a ground up design you you implement that better they're obviously having to to retrofit it but that would be my only real nitpick other than you know this little interface on the tank looks like <laughs> all right that's enough i'm no, done with you no i'm done with you uh, one more slow i had to do the slow oh boy uh that looks very rudimentary we, we by the way we we just didn't know how to pronounce the name so we we had to google we googled well, it google it i shouldn't say we don't know how to pronounce the name there was a bit of a debate on yeah. which pronunciation was correct wonder lich right which well, just eh. if we have a german uh listener i'm sure we got at least one like email us like a Maybe phonetic two. yeah or, phonetic. or better yet better yet just send us a recording of you saying it yeah and we'll just play that from now on. Okay, thank you. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff. Good technology. Again, I can't stress enough. I think it's like just the coolest way for a brand like Wonderlich to to get their name out there and to be in the ether and to be in the space. And uh, you know, they certainly get a lot of press out of it. So good on them. Uh, Quentin, do you want to talk about KTM? Yeah, sure. KTM. What do we got? We got the 690 Duke, the revised 690 Duke. It's revised, but in what way? Uh, it's got that secondary balancing shaft. Oh, yeah. So it's actually a fairly significant engine re- redesign. Fairly significant engine redesign. Chassis has been redesigned. Uh, Still ugly as just a box of bolts, man. Yeah, just, I don't, it has no flow at all. I don't like the look at it at all, but I like... I would not call it an ugly bike. I don't think it's winning any design prizes, but um, ugly, no. Totally ugly. Just hideous. Right. Compared to what it used to be, I guess that's that's the thing. I don't know I, if I can take you seriously after your Bimota mantra nonsense. I'm not saying the thing's beautiful. I'm just saying I love it. All right. Fair enough. Right. Well, so clearly the, you don't love the, the new KTM 690 Duke, but I think you would like it if you rode it. No, no. I'm sure it would be an excellent machine. I'm, I'm absolutely positive of it. I rode one, the previous gen in Colorado a couple years ago. And it was lovely. A great machine. Absolutely, yeah. would love to to spend more time on it. I just don't like the kind of what has turned into what what it used to be in the '90s. Do you even remember? Yeah, the original I've, Duke. I've ridden the original with the Duke. two headlights, not up and down, but side by side yeah. horizontally, yeah, like yeah. old school yeah. LC4 or whatever. I that rode was. that in um, in Holland, actually. That's a cool bike, right? You never see that. That's a rare bird that'll be interesting, actually. And that's making me want to go Craigslist on one of those things. Then the second gen, which was better it was a great bike i thought they just had their unique look and very interesting and they've gone away from that and turned them into i don't like it really you don't like the duke series the bigger dukes 
Oh, I'm not yeah. talking about the 390s. No, That's no, no I'm talking about the, the. I mean, to me, uh, the only Duke is a is a 600 cc single, right. right? Is the true supermoto street bike for me. The rest of them, the Super Dukes, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're fine. Nothing wrong with them. I don't think you'd say that if you rode the Super Duke. The 1290? Yeah, I'm sure. I think you would love it. I think you'd love it. I think it'd be right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I'm just saying from a look standpoint, meh. Uh, I don't agree with that. Meh. I don't agree with that. Street Fighter, way better looking bike by a factor of 10. Not even close. I mean, I can see, I mean, very different design philosophies. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but definitely different design philosophies. Well, all right. We'll get into then the, what, what is the, what is the touring bike they're going to make? That's the Super Duke GT. Okay. So Super Duke GT. Have you seen the movie Beetlejuice? Yes. Okay. Do you remember when the two, the couple has to rearrange their faces to be scary? That's what that freaking bike looks like. It looks like the husband that sticks his hand in his face and then pulls his face forward and it turns it into like this pointiness. That's what that bike looks like. I think someone actually posted that on Asphalt Rubber. All right. Well, that's what it looks like. <laughs> it I'm, does. Right? It does. I get a, I actually, I go spy versus spy with it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The same thing. Yeah. It's that pointy, yeah. you know, and it just, it's, it's not, not yeah, I will, I will say the Super Duke GT is not my uh, favorite looking motorcycle um, from the show, but I, I totally get it from a practical point of view. Because yeah. I think that makes it. We've talked about it before. When I when I rode the uh, the 1290 Super Duke R, you know that bike would make a great tour. And here it is with more fairing, a windscreen. You got saddlebags. Just go ripping and tearing. You know, uh, that so, is that that screams a week in the Alps. Sure, no doubt. I, I the only pictures I've seen are these ones with the camo. Did they did they debut a? No, 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 yeah, yeah. Get, on, get on asphalt rubber. Oh, man. Get, go to your daily addiction. I, okay, I did see. All right, sorry. Click some ads while you're there, by the way. Yeah, that's right. I should. Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's not, it's not, uh, it does have a good stance. I like its proportions. It's just the pointiness. The pointiness. Very, no, I get it. I mean, that when, we, and when we saw the spy photos, it was like, okay, how are you going to make this, this bike that fell all the way down the ugly tree look good? And, you know, it, I think the graphics definitely helped make it look better, but, um, it's definitely yeah. It's not going to win any design awards. I think it'd be fun to ride. I don't know if I would own one. I think I would just stick to the to the regular Super Duke. You would just get bags, run the Super Duke. I would, yeah, I would just call it even. I don't okay. need to, I don't need that nonsense. All but right. I but I definitely I definitely am intrigued by this the six ninety Duke. Uh, it makes more power. You know, peak power is up to seventy three horsepower, and they say that the uh, the power band is a thousand RPMs wider. So you got a little bit wider of a power band. That's you got rid, awesome. of, got rid of the vibrations. It's supposed to turn in yeah, a little bit better. It's awesome. So you're taking a bike that was already pretty good out of the box. And now I think you're really sitting it down, teaching it some table manners, teaching it to be, you know, respectful and learn some etiquette. And I still think that thing would just tear the snot out of the asphalt. I think it'd be fun. I would definitely get some tickets on it. Yeah. Can you imagine just, just jetting through the horrible Oregonian drivers we have around here on this thing. That'd be the perfect like FU bike. That's what I've been doing for the past week and a half, man, on an XR650. It's as awful as it is, it's awesome. And I I almost wish I could make it a video game. And I think we would sell a lot of video games <laughs> if if we could make XR650 bald bald-ish knobbies. Pouring rain, Portland drivers having to bisect the city diagonally. Oh my gosh, it's gnarly. So yes, I can see doing that on that bike. Yeah, I think be that sounds. Well I've seen. ridden on curbs for like on sidewalks, man. It's unreal. <laughs> I'm just doing shit that I, I. I guess I'm gonna have to GoPro it. I'm just gonna have to GoPro it. 
Careful with that. I know. I know. Careful with that. It's proof. They're, they're, proof of my stupidity. It, it's it's surprising me how often we're seeing now police departments going to YouTube, tracking people down. Totally. Because you're literally, I mean, from a legal point of view, you're literally giving them the evidence they need. Yeah, sure. You know. I remember the first time I thought about, hey, I'm going to post this video of me on my Street Fighter going up the 224. The 224 <laughs> on the way out of or- Oregon City or uh, out of Clackamas. And I was, I was, I was watching the video. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am going really fast. Yeah. I was like, I shouldn't post this. And my, my little man brain just went, no, I'm not going to post this video because I'm used to track day stuff. Right. I, w- I would certainly say if you're going to do that stuff, uh, don't let it show the uh, speedometer. Yeah, of course. Because sure. then, then it's up to the, prosecution to say like this this video hasn't been tampered with because that that would be the argument it's like how do you know that i haven't sped this up to look cool <laughs> it's in plausible dine- deniability i'm not saying that's going to hold up in court no. but definitely if you show the speedometer you're definitely up a creek what about trying to figure out a way to post it through somebody else that where it doesn't show who it is then how do they hunt you down i mean you know there's ways uh-huh. there's definitely ways it's if, if tour, someone, right someone well even then tour would be a good way to uh to keep yourself anonymous on the internet um but at the end of the day, like or not doing stupid shit. Just, just to be honest, like yeah. if someone really wanted to figure it out, they really want to figure it out, spend the time, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Even, even with Tor. Sure. Uh, that's, that's our geek moment for the day. And, uh, thank you. All right. So back to KTMs. I think we've got the 690. 690. You got the 1290 GT. And that's it. Were there bold new there graphics was, on anything? There else? was a bold new graphic. There was a special edition, uh, 1290 Super Duke. It's very gold. It's got that orange anodized look on it. Uh huh. And it's got some some cool parts from the um, KTM parts bin. Uh, I believe um, there's a. It, would they ever get stiffer something triple from clamp, adjustable hand levers? No. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna take your computer away from you. You're on timeout. Um. So yeah, it's a parts bin special kind of thing, but it, it looks good. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Sure. But I think what uh, you know talking about. The big news from KTM is really actually the big news from Husqvarna. Ah, yeah. Because the sure. uh, Husqvarna 701 Vitpolin came out, and I have to tell you, just from looking at the the traffic that I got on the site from it, judging from the reaction in, that I've heard in Milan and the reaction I've seen on the other sites, like that is the sh- the bike of Eichma 2015. Like that was the one that sh- stole the show. And I had so a- even though you were all about the Benellis, well, this was the one. I would say Benelli as a brand stole was was the brand of the show. If there's a bike of the show, it's this 701 V. It looks bitching. I would right? ride this. Not out of it, that no, thing. seriously, it looks like. Do you remember the? Uh, there's only so many bikes that look like they were designed by an industrial designer, uh, like Philippe Stark's uh, Aprilia Moto 6.5. I think that's what that was oh, called. Oh yeah, very unique. It was and, and seriously, it looked like he was part of the engineering process to make the frame tie up with the bodywork, with the fuel tank with all that stuff that's what looks like happened here somebody that was a designer an industrial designer was working with the engineering team to make it look that uh, Uh, fluid i I don't know for certain but i can tell you almost for sure that you know that's the work of kiska and they just that's right and ktm was just like kiska make us a bitchin bike they're like kiska my ass and they did (laughs) they did and they got all huskvarna on you no, totally. um, but it's so it's the 701 it's the same platform as the 701 enduro the 701 supermoto which is the same as the ktm 690 enduro uh, it's that 690 cc it's not the same motor that's in the new 
KTM 690 no. Duke. No, it's it's the older motor, so sure. it's got the vibes. Um, you like the headlight? This is a circle headlight you're all about. Uh, I'm not saying I'm all about the headlight, but I like it. I like I like this bike overall. I like the I like what it stands for because this is this is Husqvarna basically saying like we're gonna come out with bitch and street bikes, and they've got this cool kind of modern retro thing that isn't at all in the industry right now it's not no. in the space at all it's it not is, derivative in any way shape, it's or form, modern it? and it's retro at the same time yeah. and it's unique and it i think it holds true to what you would expect from a swedish brand i mean they're that that's that's the kind of design element that husqvarna is supposed to go to they're supposed to be very swedish where ktm is going to be very angular and germanic you know the yeah. husqvarna will be very ikea and minimalist and yeah and I probably shouldn't have used the word IKEA, but yeah, you know, but it is, you know it is what? That That's idea. the reality of it. Is that but is a brand that most people understand? Design. Yes, yep. and there is. You walk in, and there's a very interesting, simple. That's why it appeals to so many people. Absolutely, and and I love the details. I love the little, um, I don't know what you call them, dimples in the exhaust. I <laughs> love the uh, the kind of the cafe racer look. I love the exposed uh, air filter and the know. line, the line that goes from the fuel tank at an angle straight down pass to the exhaust i mean it's yellow and they they accented it and it's really neat it's an interesting design there's so many cool things about it I clever it. clever work yeah clever well work by kiska um but yeah no i think it's i think it's very intriguing i think uh i'm very i mean we, we've been saying this so many times it's very curious to see where the husqvarna brand goes as far as far as differentiating itself from ktm sure this bike's still based on a ktm platform but you know in mechanics only, I think from the, the design language, from the the market segment, from the just look and feel and the desire of it, like this is this is starting to evoke something different and something new, and I think that's what we've been waiting for. And you can see that too, you know, it meshes well with the 401, Svartpilen uh, yeah. and the Svit and the Vitpilen, the the two concepts that came out last year, which will be uh, production models for 2017. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I like it. It's a good lot. stuff. I, I'm just yeah, keep it coming. I'm really curious to see what it, where this evolves to. Singles are a weird thing. A lot of people don't necessarily like singles for for myriad reasons. The way they they make power, the vibrations, etc. Sure. So only only recently have I become to really appreciate them. I grew up on them. I started on them, but then as soon as I could, I was on four cylinder and then twins, and I haven't really looked back until I got in a dirt bike. So. I don't know. It's, it's a weird, appealing thing to like singles. and Especially on the street. It works. Yeah. They work. It's cool. Especially if they do a good job sorting out the vibrations. That's the main thing. Good vibrations. And I love good vibes. Um, Speaking of good vibrations, Triumph. So that's actually not true at all because I'm actually, I got some interesting words about Triumph. Because so Triumph came out with the new Tiger Explorer Adventure Tour, which is the big, uh-huh. nasty. Is it a triple? It's a triple. Okay. Um, so it might be good vibration. Sometimes triples vibrate in a good way. If it hits you the right way, sure. Sure. Um, but it's interesting because they came out with six variations of the six. Bike. Yeah. So Whoa. so and that's and that's like you know you want to talk alphabet soup. Sure. It's it's really interesting. So you have the XR, which is the road version. The XC, which is the off-road version XR. and then bmw has an xr honda's had xrs why is it with this freaking xr oh nah. unoriginal bastards uh, that's not what i'm getting upset about what I'm i know ups- what i'm getting upset about is so you have so you have these two kind of lines and then there's three models within each you have a base model so like the xr there's the base model xr and then there's the xrx and the xrt 
with the XC, there's oh. the XC base model, the XCX, and the XCA. <laughs> and when you, you know you get the press information and you're sitting there like okay so i have six bikes i have to figure out great thanks triumph okay so mr press officer or uh-huh. whoever what what's the difference between these bikes right exactly so so you sit down and like <laughs> like the the information they gave was like very like like they would say like well you know the the xrt comes it has a low seat version and you're like okay that's interesting like oh and the top you know the top of the line models the like xt's you know the ones with the extra letter basically Oh, they have an IMU and they've got the cornering ABS from Bosch and da 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 da. da. But you sit there and you're like, okay, but but what's the difference between these bikes? I mean, what's how is the XRX and the XRT different, or how's the XCX and the XCA different? And oh. so I sent this email to the Prime Press guy. He was like, oh, we have no idea. I don't have the, that information for you. And as far well, as I to can, be fair, it just got released, and and why would a, a company that's selling motorcycles want to put information out that the mm-hmm. consumers can differentiate their models by so quickly? Why would they ever want to do that? If your only announcement at the largest <laughs> motorcycle show in the industry involves a single model of six variations, you better have a fucking clue what the difference is between them. And if you can't tell the general public or even the press what the difference between those models are, then I call that a failure because you've basically failed at your number one goal for the day. Which get is your shit together. Get your Triumph. shit together. And that's and that's been actually kind of an interesting thing with Triumph over the last uh, few months because we saw them with their kind of dealer show unveiling um, right before uh, the new models were coming out. And so many models, basically all the models leaked out. It was right before the, the Bonneville uh thruxton um models debuted yeah and they because they just didn't understand like hey when you show a bunch of dealers your your stuff and you don't take away their phones from them it ends up on the internet it's gonna be leaked yeah you're learning what ducati learned like 10 years ago uh-huh uh oh and then by the way you release uh the speed triple s and the speed triple r information but you don't really include any technical information like to this day we don't really have concrete information on how much these how much horsepower these bikes make or how much they weigh you just say, oh yeah, we kind of updated them, and then you come and you release these the Triumph Tiger Explorer, and you can't even tell me what the difference is between four of the models. And I just kind of sit there and just like, so what's the point? Like, what do you guys? What would you say you do here, if anything? Because your website says nothing, your press materials say nothing. As far as I can tell from my colleagues in in the space who posted stories about it, they just regurgitated the press release. And quite frankly, I did the same thing too because. That's, That's all, all you, you can do because there's just nothing there. Like, give me a a chart would have saved us so much trouble. Even a basic breakdown. Even if you could just tell me, like, hey, the XCA, that's the adventure one, where the XCT, that's the travel one. I may not know what the difference is between that because it just sounds like they're all going to have a bunch of bags and a bunch of farkles, but at least that'd be something. So... Uh, if there's a loser in the Icoma 2015, it's got to be Triumph. <laughs> you wanted a chart. All you got was a chart. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your words, not mine. But it's unfortunate because because uh, I'm waiting for Triumph to do something to impress me, to get me excited about their motorcycles. We've we've I've talked about this before. I don't need to rehash it. But it's just for me, it was so frustrating because, you know. I want to. I yeah. want to. I want to be excited. Like, you do. I think, you want to understand. Sure. I think the Tiger Explorer is an interesting bike. It, it looks like a riff on the BMW, but I like that it has a triple. I like that it's an adventure bike. If uh, it hasn't been as successful as the 800, that's for sure. It's the, a shaft drive. Yeah. Right. There's some, there's a lot of goods to it. I'm sure. There's there's uh, there's some stuff there. Absolutely. You know? And I, I, that's why I would want to make sure because as much as I was hating on the on the water cooled Bonneville, frankly on all Bonnevilles, 
Uh, yeah, I want, I want to be enthusiastic about something. So in this case, they're just not, uh, I'm like, ho-hum, whatever. I don't, even though you're telling me you're going, look, I haven't even looked at all this. I haven't looked at all these different models. What I, what I know from a few of the other brands is what they're doing is you make the model and then you have option packages like BMW right. is really good at that. They say, oh, look, you can buy this bike for 15 grand, whatever. Nah, you, never you shows up for bike. 15 grand, though. Bullshit you can buy for 15 grand. Any one of those, like especially the S1000Rs, that was how they were you know, sniping people in and saying, oh, look, it's it's just as uh, it's the same price as a GSX-R when really it was just as expensive as, as any Ducati, right? But they were getting in with these option packages. It sounds like that's kind of what they're doing here. Uh, the Ducati Multistratas this year, instead of having you know, S touring or whatever, you'd have these option packages. You'd buy the Enduro package and then you'd buy the city package or whatever. I can't remember though. But the same thing is there these packages. Is that what this is? I don't even no, know. No, no, that, that's not so much the case. I mean, I mean, it, it isn't in the extent that uh, the packages are designed to, to fill a demand curve. And that's what they're doing here too, but they're doing it with models. So whether it's through models or through packages, you know, that's kind of a semantics game. But the idea here is like, okay, so you have two distinct different models one's for road one's going to be road bias one's going to be off-road bias and then within those two spaces you you give three variations of of different trim or whatever to hopefully you just kind of then diagram all your consumer oh, bases can you so i'm looking at the practical application of this is the dealer saying i need to order how many skews yeah. of bike yeah. for each one of these that is a effing nightmare for the dealer network which then ends up being an effing nightmare for the for the end users who want to try and buy a bike right well and this is what this is something they did with the with the tiger 800 and i don't know what the response was in the dealer network and i don't know what the response was from the consumer side but clearly they're doing it again so they must have seen some value out of it or they're just saying well it's our way or the highway we're going to do this regardless uh, so it's one of those two things, and I hope it's not the latter. But from 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 my perspective, you just kind of sit there and you're just like, I'm just I'm just overwhelmed. Like I just, how am I supposed to know which of these bikes I want when you got like six of them for me? I'm well, like, we've spent enough time talking about it that maybe there's uh, enough interest that somebody's gone and started searching and said, I'm going to buy me a Triumph 1200. <laughs> I mean, if you do, I mean, if that's the case, <laughs> you know, give us an email and let us know because I think that'd be cool to to find out. But for me, it's just I don't know. I'm just I'm just so burnt on that idea of like i've in, in the seven years of doing this i've never had someone uh from a company tell me we don't know when it comes to the basics of the model like what is this bike we've you've released a new model can you tell me anything about it beyond the press release no i cannot what <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. i don't i don't think it's necessarily their fault i don't i don't i won't put on put any of this Outside of, you know, I don't think Hinkley is supporting its yeah, people that's the way the it key. needs to. That's the key. Is uh, that it's not necessarily North America at all, right? Yeah. You're, you just got, and the same goes for the Italians. The same thing happened to Ducati, right? Yeah. You can't necessarily. What, what's happening in Europe isn't translating into the U.S. And, you know, maybe maybe someone can, can from Triumph can get a hold of us and 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 sort it out for me i would Since love i would straight. i would love to to be able to talk about the models more competently i'd love to, i really and that was a funny thing when i sat down to write that story i started out with i'm going to break down these models for you and then i realized i don't have the information to even do that for you i am i'm going to fail in my basic task as a journalist because i don't have the information at hand and um what about your didn't you wouldn't you have had a contact at icma that could have help sort it out a little as bit as far as i can tell there is no information okay. i have not seen a single published report that right. breaks them down just i hope i'm i'm hope that i'm wrong and there's someone out there that's got the info pass it along uh, i got no problem giving them credit for it because it's 
for me, it's just it's a loss for for Triumph. It's a it's a miss. All right. Well, we burned up a lot of airtime yeah. on that. Yeah. Fair so enough. Let's move. Let's let's move along. Let's let's leave the Europeans behind. Yes. Let's go let's, to Japan. The great the land of the rising sun. Um interesting stuff from the japanese yeah like totally stoked by how much interesting stuff yeah i i I was really i was kind of poopy about honda (laughs) um i didn't really get excited by anything on the production side it was a lot of like bold new graphics minor updates some revisions but honda moto europe brought the brought the thunder is that who it was that made those bikes so honda moto europe did this the the cbr 650f concepts so there's two of them. And then I think Honda Japan did that adventure scooter, which is called the city adventure concept. Ah. So why don't we, why don't we tackle the, the European ones, the, the, the 650 ones, and then we'll get to the Japanese one. Okay. Sounds good. Because I was, you know, so we, we, we joked about how, uh, in the last show, we joked about how the, uh, scrambler is kind of the, the model of, uh, Eichma. You know, that was like the, if there was if there was a single underlying theme of Eichmann, it was the, it was definitely the, the it, scrambler it's bandwagon thing. jumping on. Let's go. Let's yeah. get on this right. Yeah. Meow. Right. Meow. Yep. But I have to say the Honda is the 650, six spelled out and then 50 in numericals. Really? Yeah. But the Honda 650 concept looks awesome. And I think you yeah. would really enjoy this from from a. Putting a putting knobbies on an inappropriate street bike As perspective. I like, to do, I like to do it, man. Um, that thing looks wicked, and and this is what I love too. Before we get in any deeper, these these two concepts that we're going to talk about are based on the Honda CBR 650F, one of the most boring motorcycles that has ever just existed. vanilla, just vanilla. And so I love I love it from the perspective of you know we talk about the the soul that a motorcycle has or the personality. And the the CBR 650F is definitely one of those bikes that you jump on and be like, "This is soulless. This has no personality. This is this is just a people mover. This is the Japanese not understanding motorcyclists." <laughs> and then you go and you take it and you and you do this to it. This this dirty scrambler, dirty dirty things. And then like you know, like you like it drips personality. It drips yeah. uh, this 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 ethos. That's great. And so it's one of those things where like that whole like concept of like this bike has soul. That's just bullshit. That's just the most bullshit. There's nothing. This is the same chassis. This is the same motor. This is the same basic bike, just modified in a different way. And you're having completely 180 uh, reactions to them. Sure. So so the engine is, it looks like that's the base engine out of, of a CBR 600 from probably within the past 10 years, which is what they, Honda's been known to do with all of their kind of street-ish bikes. Like they took the F2 engine, which was... I think went to production in 1991 Something like that, and they yeah. used that engine through the mid two thousands as their 600 CC boring street bike engine or a derivative of it. Right? right. Not the exact same thing, but like it went F2, F3. Of course the F4s were different, but they went back to that old school engine. The same thing is happening here. This looks like it was the CBR 600 RR engine of, I don't know, circa 2003, four, five. And then they punched it out, made it a little torqueier, and then made a street bike, a really, really, really boring street bike. Then they said, you're saying that this was Honda Europe? Yeah, this is the work of Honda Motor Europe. Honda Motor Europe then does this awesome, angular, fascinating, bodywork, simple design, which just rowdy looking little thing. I love it. I think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's ready for the ripping and the tearing. Uh, I would totally, I would totally want one in my garage if they made that as a production model. 
Sure. Super excited about it. I just, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of it. And then to to go and look at the uh, Honda CB4 concept, which again shares that CBR650F platform and go in a completely different direction with it. It's that, you know, they, they kind of did like the Scrambler model. And I feel like the CB4 is like the Cafe Racer model. But they're both so different than what you would associate with those names that it, that I actually find them appealing. Yeah, right. And and one thing that they did, uh, I don't know if you picked up on it, but the exhausts mm-hmm. on these are mm-hmm. the are the critical thing that are harkening back. So one of the more critical design elements of any motorcycle is how the exhaust looks because that's a big part of the the mechanics of a bike that ends up being an aesthetic. And in the mid-70s, when Honda came out with the CB404, the exhausts snaked together, and they almost looked like a, like a hand, like a, not a clenched fist, but like fingers coming up to the, the four finger, your four main fingers going up to the engine and then back down and, and to the side at an angle. It was a very, very unique, specific, not any other bike has ever looked like that before since until now. So they made it to look like that just looks phenomenal it looks so cool because it that they, they all bend together and then go back into the exhaust and then they there for the the silencer portion frankly looks like a ducati scrambler there's two two exits <laughs> right i mean if you're straight up that looks just like but the fact that beforehand it goes into that that this is on the what what is the s model or the cb4 concept is there is it just called the cb4 what yeah, is it cb4 concept cb4 concept so that that's that one. That it's a little bit, it's a little bit concealed on the on the dirty bike one, but I that's what I like about it. I think that's a really neat, very distinctive uh, part of this bike for sure. No, yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. And kudos to <clears throat> Asphalt and Rubber because holy crap, when you do click on the image, even though I want it to go to the story and it just goes to the <laughs> image, then you can plus it and get really deep details so they, they I provide not, you with some mega detail i did not skimp on the high resolution photos no, for Icon. that's no. good man uh, i can honda get was, all up in there yeah and honda and a few of the manufacturers i think really under they it's funny sometimes just from like a press point of view like sometimes you get these photos and they're their web resolution which means like you're lucky if they're a thousand pixels <laughs> wide yeah uh and then you'll get like what's called like print resolution like the, you could like blow this size. put it put it up on a poster right? i think it's seven seven thousand pixels wide or something like that like Man. you can definitely definitely get your groove on and i didn't um except in very few cases uh i tried to get everything at the uh resolution we got it at so if people want to make them their ba- desktop backgrounds or whatever they, they or if you can. just want to tweak out and look for little details you, you can, can get right see. up in it that's what i'm doing right now yeah. as we're talking about it i'm like whoa look at that holy crap i want that radiator cap and I, and I where would s- I have ever noticed that unless I was right, right. there next to the bike, yeah. you know? I, and I will say this is probably the one time the round headlights are really, really working for yeah, me. Yeah, your, your, your round headlight thing went out the door earlier because both of these bikes have round headlights. And so did the 701 Vitpelin. Yeah. And they all look good. The 701 round headlights like the thing I, I like the least about it. But, I, yeah, I still like that bike. All right, just like wait until bike. he gets to Yamaha. Just you wait. Sorry. Wait until we get to Yamaha. I had my glasses in my mouth. That was weird. Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm sorry. that's bad podcasting. Wait advocate. until you get to Yamaha. Just wait. Okay, fair enough. Um, so so compare and contrast those concepts with the um, Honda City Adventure concept, which I'm pretty sure came from Japan. Sure. Uh, it have to. <laughs> it would have to have come from Japan. Do you think... Uh, what is the little robot? I- Imo, Ismo, Asimo. Asimo, As, Asimo, As- I think it's Asimo. As- no, it's a single, single, 
ASIMO. Okay, but it's not ass emo, no? Okay. Putting ass in the emo. <laughs> so it's emo. It looks like what? Our little, he, our little staircase crawler. Our little staircase. <laughs> I'm going to fall off the staircase. No, when he when he became aware, self-aware, he said, I'm going to design a scooter. Woohoo! That's what this looks like. Well, you know, it's it's funny. So so the the city adventure concept is like literally if you locked a scooter and like the Honda Africa twin and put them <laughs> in a room with like three bottles of wine and just lock the door for a night, like this is the bastard child that would be the product of that. Uh, you know, it's a it's a scooter design with kind of off road dual sporty wheels and it's got a little bit of ground clearance and it almost looks like it has a a, a skid plate kind of thing. It's, I- can't believe that Hand I want guards. this thing. I love it. I I I can't believe that I actually. It's intriguing, it. but it's it's such like I think that's actually the the greatest difference between Honda Europe uh, and Honda Japan. Like you saw what the Europeans did, and they're kind of doing some very elegant styles. They're very relevant to the trends that are going on the market. Where I think Honda Japan is like sitting there trying to figure out like these weird mashups. You know, I feel like they're like girl talk and just like looking for like the weirdest contrasting things to to see like, oh, let's make the the NM4 like Akira bike and see if people are into that. But we'll give it like this weird 750 engine and DCT and then like, oh, let's come up with this, the crosser. Like they love taking two segments that really don't have a lot in common and doing a mashup between the two. And, and we see that here. It's a scooter yeah. and an adventure bike rolled into one. And I don't know how many people are looking to to bomb down some trails in a scooter and you know someone did bring up that like you know that's a very much an american perspective southeast asia where the roads aren't as good maybe this is like the scooter for that sure uh it would it would be more at home there and I, that's a fair point but i'm just trying to sit there just going like who's buying this thing like yeah it's cool it's kind of weird I, I i dig it don't get me wrong but who's gonna buy that thing and that's probably why it's a concept and not a production model. But I just a little test. Sometimes I just feel like like Honda, like the the Japanese uh, people at Honda, just kind of sit there and just come up with crazy ideas. Which there's nothing wrong with that because that drives innovation. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think it goes a little too far. Sure, but I'd rather like, like, have like, it I go feel like too it was a dare. Like Quentin, I dare you to make an off-road scooter. Oh, I take. You. I'm going to take you up on that. Oh, sure. City adventure concept. I dare you to put TKC80s on a Panigale. I dare you. Right? Yeah, but you know, is Ducati ever going to come out with that bike? Oh no. Yeah, they did. It's called the uh, Multistrada 1200 Enduro. Anyway, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's it's like one of those things. Like, it's like if you were a philosophy major at a liberal arts school and sitting in your like free trade coffee house, just sipping a an Americano, just being like, hmm, let's talk about weird adventure scooters tonight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hip, hip yeah. hipster. Hip, well, not even hipster. Hip. Just like it's just like like it's a fun thought experiment. Well, with it would no be, practical application. It whatsoever. would be hipster circa nineteen sixty eight. It'd be, it'd be like hippie. True hip, hep cat, hip, hippie. Not hippie. Not hippie. But like, you know, wearing what is the French hat? Beatnik. Beatnik. There we go. That's what I was trying to get at. Right. Not a Kerouac in the world. <laughs> oh your puns are so funny oh, they're oh funny. my god okay uh moving along because i want to get your your soul charged up okay yeah soul charging i need some soul charging you need some soul charging right i feel like that's something that you, like you go into the desert take a lot of peyote and get your soul charge my dad who was a botanist uh <laughs> he was a a professor of botany a phd professor of botany he 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 is still alive, but he was at Texas A&M University. He had a peyote cactus, 
in his lab <clears throat> for I think decades and was I think he was actually kind of happy that when he when it finally got stolen because that meant one of his students identified it as a peyote cactus and then you could just think of one of his students slicing that thing up drying it out and going ape shit for days on end right I, th I always thought that was an interesting story just the fact that he had a peyote cactus why did he have it because he's, he's a freaking botanist right why wouldn't you right It'd be like saying, I don't know why I would have a Bomoda mantra in my. Of course, because I'm a brain damage and you drool from the side <laughs> of your mouth. That's why. <laughs> Weirdo. Uh, as long as you have a nappy to soak up the drool, you're okay. <laughs> Loving right. wife, yeah. S sorry, uh, we just went super tangent. So peyote cactus. Wh where are we were talking about peyote? Kawasaki S O two Soul Charger. The Soul Charger. Is it a USB charger? No, it's a soul okay. charger. Right. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know where they're getting the names. Uh, the, so this the SCO two is a soul charger. The SCO one was the spirit charger. Uh oh. Um, right. And and it's like one of those things. Like I feel like almost in a way, like especially I watched Kawasaki's um, unveiling on the on the live stream, and I almost felt like like they were apologizing. They're like, yeah, <laughs> we know we didn't really bring a whole lot out this year. But because they were like 2017 and 2018, we're bringing out 12 new models and it's going to be bitching. But this year, uh, we got a we got a concept of our supercharged whatever, and we're they, they literally come out and they're like, we're not even sure what we're doing with this. We're not sure what displacement we're pretending it's going to be. We've we're not got some drawings. We're not. Yeah, we got some ideas. We're just kind of spitballing here and we're trying to charge our souls. Just charging up that soul. You know, we brought a they brought the a winner test version of the ninja zx 10 r which is european only but it's in that black livery with the you know world superbike test livery sure it says ninja on the side it's probably ninja yeah. and it's got their kropovich pipe it's got some stuff it's got a cool paint job but, you know it looks cool but it's nothing it's nothing special uh compared especially since they literally just updated that bike a month ago and then they show this concept and you're kind of like all right kawasaki like i know you got you know you kind of wowed us last year with the H2 and you're saying you're going to wow us in the future but I think they fell very flat uh this year. Well the engine uh that I'm seeing in the pictures cuz they so they have this drawings that are just basically design sketches but the engine looks uh, like it's fairly serious and it's pretty cool looking. It looks pitching. I mean that's the thing like I think we're we're that's the letdown probably. We we got it, we got our kind of our appetite whetted with the H2 and the H2R and they've been showing these supercharged engines and, you know, we're very much like frothing at the mouth for a, uh, uh, you a know, different thing than the H2 another, smaller, skinnier, uh, yeah, lighter, start, less CCs, you know, not, not the big Goliath that the, the H2R is right. Start applying this technology in a meaningful way. Give me super bike power in a 750. Give me, you know, 150 horsepower at the crank or whatever out of like a 500, you know, in a, yep. in a bike that weighs 300, 350 pounds, you know, super light bike. That's what we're looking for. You know, use this technology in a way that makes power figures out of small displacements, lightweight bikes. Um, so hopefully, you know, Kawasaki hears that and that's what they're working on for 2016 and 2017. Unfortunately, you know, we literally now have an entire year to wait because nothing really materialized in Milan. Oh, well. Wah, wah. Uh, moving on to brands that actually did something cool uh suzuki brought back the sv650 which is oh really my god that's so rad i mean i don't know why i'm so excited by that but i think you know no i do, I do know why 
because I've been looking at gladii, gladii, the glitter, yeah, gladiuses, the gladius, gladius. But there's what is the plural plural of gladius? Gladiator, gladii. I don't know. Right. So I've been looking at gladii and fucking hating on them. Excuse my language for a long time because they're so horribly, hideously, horribly, awfully ugly. Uh, why? Because the SV650, let's face it, was a mini Ducati monster. It evoked monster a few years after the Ducati monster came out straight up because that just is a solid design. You get the trellis look frame. In the case of the SV, it was an aluminum, not steel. And then you have the tank on top that's well-shaped and it was well-shaped in that bike. Nice tidy tail, standard handlebars, Circle headlight positioned correctly, low, had a, a nice bulldog stance, simple as shit. Two-cylinder two, two engine, double-ever cam, you know, great. Everything was about it was awesome, and it, and it lasted for a while. Then they went Angular in, what, 2003-ish, through 2003 or yeah, 2004. Right. They updated the SV. It started to go Angular, and it wasn't ugly or problematic. It, I, I just was like, whatever. The original was awesome. Then it went to Gladius. I mean, just parts bin, horrible, ugly, just gross bike. And that took away that pure motorcycle. That's one of the, I mean, the SV650 has been one of the most pure motorcycles forever. And small, not a, you know, look at me, I'm on a fast bike bike, but one that you can haul ass on and surprise people with, right? So I like the SV650. This one just goes straight back. Okay, so it is just going right back to the old school style. It and does it, look, and it still has, you know, it's it's basically a Gladius without all the nonsense on it. Sure. So it doesn't have the nonsense on but, it. But uh, which I would say the Gladius like someone was saying like, oh it's it's just Gladius. Well like, Gladius is really just an SV six fifty. So it's just the the snake eating its tail at this point. Yeah, I don't I disagree. I think it the 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 style was so critical and the Gladius looked like such a parts been special. I, I think this is just way better than that. A long I think shot. I think I think it's what I think it's the bike that we wanted when the Gladius came out. Yes, if, if we want to get down to it. Yeah, right. Um, and and for those that don't know, like the SV650, an amazing beginner bike, an amazing track bike, a popular amateur race bike. I mean, it has it fills so many little holes in the industry. It's such a like probably one of the most sought after bikes on Craigslist. It's like I would say modern motorcycles. You know, like you just. Everyone wants an SV650. I raced one this year. It was the first time I'd ever spent really any any major amount of time on one. I raced one the first race of the year in Omra. Um, it was a super bike. It had been well built. Uh, it had like a Jixer front end. And, Is this Ronnie's cheater bike? Yeah. No, it was not a <laughs> cheater. No, cheater. I don't know what you're talking about, cheater. Yeah. I think I raced yeah. super bike class, right? Anyway, so badass little bike. Really fun. Extremely good for what it was. And it... It was in a great class with a lot of cool people in it, right? Not the normal testosterone-addled 600 class. It was a, yeah, it was competitive. And the, yeah, there was some hurly-burly going on in there. But most of the people that are in it are in it to have fun riding motorcycles for plastic trophies, not trying to get to AMA. So that was a cool class because it's kind of that mid-range because it's a twin mm-hmm. and it's a 650. It can't, it's not as fast as a 600 four-cylinder, right? It's kind of that interesting in-between where you have to use momentum but it also still has enough stank to get on it and break the rear loose, right? It's pretty good. It's really fun. I, I enjoy it very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I've run a few SVs and they're just great little bikes. And the thing that's, I think that that's really appealing is you can pick one up real cheap on Craigslist. You do like a swap, a front end swap off like a Jixer 600, Jixer 750. And you just make a bitchin' little bike out of it. Like you can just make a bitchin' little track bike 
uh, for, for not a lot of money, you know, five, six grand gets you really far down the road on that. Sure. And uh, they're just bulletproof. They're just really well-designed bikes. Well, and that's why I didn't really get dig into the, the power of this bike or how different it is, but I'd be interested to see uh, the iterative changes to the engine, if there are much, because frankly, the bike is so good, it's tough to justify a huge rebuild. But I, like when they went from the 99 era to the, to the next gen, I know there were a lot of problems, especially with the racers, because they went to, I don't know if they went to some sort of a plane bearing or different bearings on the crankshaft. Bottom line is once you started leaning on them, the later models would start breaking. So I don't know if they've addressed that. I'd be interested to see, and that might be worth yeah. digging into. Suzuki says there's 60 new parts in the engine. There's 70 new parts on the chassis. What does that really mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's, but it, it looks a lot different than a freaking Gladius. I'll say that. I know you... Tried to say it looks like Gladius. I just did a back-to-back -back look in it. Nope, not. Mm, nope. I don't think it's that. Mechanically. Mechan I'm not saying visually. Mechanically. Sure. I don't know. Uh, I'm not seeing it. Okay. I mean, it's the frame. The frame doesn't even look the same. Okay. You can go online and find out for yourself. Okay. It sounds good. Yeah. Asphalt and Rubber. Asphaltandrubber.com. Click on the all the links. All and the ads. Add the ads. Every yeah. ad you can see, you yeah, should please, click. Please. And then leave an iTunes rating for the show. Five stars. Five stars. Not four stars. Five stars. Five stars. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jixer time. Is it Jixer time Jixer yet? Jixer time. Yeah, I was trying to like, like it's like it's like delayed pleasure. Like, how long can we wait until we talk it's about Jixer the, the Jixer? So I think this, oh, oh, man, we've been waiting for this bike for I don't know, better part of a decade. Yeah. Um, and it's still not out yet. So no, so that was, so that was the thing. I'm what? gonna give myself a little pat on the back because we broke the story that the uh, there wouldn't be a new Jixer for 2016, but that we would see one as a 2017 yeah. model year bike in the second half of next Why? year. Why? What is what is it's just that not ready. difficult? So the the rumor, and I, I don't have a lot of backing up on this. It's just kind of, you know, oh, yeah. uh, around the water cooler talk is that Suzuki didn't really have the money to develop the tooling huh. to make some of these bikes. So, so they've sad. had to get some sales going. They've had to generate some revenue. The economy needed to come back yeah. to where it is now for them to be able to feel confident and to, to say, yes, let's tool this up. So they've probably been whittling away on this thing for a while now, but you know, it's just now that we're starting to see them come back with the MotoGP program, sure. which is a very concerted effort to then bring the Jixel line back. And that includes the 1000, the 750, the 600, yeah. the Hayabusa, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some, some, uh, Jixer, uh, 250, a proper small displacement bike. Who knows if it'll actually be 250 or whatever, yeah, 300, sure. 350, but you know, now's the, the time of the Jixer can get, can get going. And the first thing we've seen now is this 2017 Suzuki GSXR 1000 prototype. And that's um, so weird that you're calling it a prototype. Well, they can't come out and say it. I mean, that's like the thing. They don't really want to come out and say it. They, they, it's actually funny. The uh, European press release calls it the prototype, just the GSXR 1000 prototype. The American press release comes right out and it's like, this is the 2017 model. You will see it in the late 2016. Sure. So that that lines up with everything we've heard uh, uh, from our Bothan spies on Asphalt Rubber. Uh, my understanding is the uh, race teams, the very Suzuki race teams around the world will start developing this bike uh, in January, or not maybe not January, but um, early, early, early 2016, and then we'll probably see this bike. I would imagine um, January, February of 2017, which will mean that it'll have a good year of development underneath it. So it should be a potent race package by the time it's homologated and ready to go. Say in World Superbike, in Moto America, 
um, you know, pick your domestic uh, series because, you know, if there's one thing we know about Jixers is that they are popular uh, race bikes for the amateur racer or the privateer racer. They're good at what they do. They always have been and always will be. Yeah. It's very difficult to, to screw one up, really. They don't deviate far from their normal mission. They have been the stalwart of the of the sport bike since 1985, yeah. right? Have you ever ridden a bad Jixer? No. You know, that, that, no. Was the, that was the thing I was trying to think of. Like, I've, uh, ridden, I've ridden a lot of them that yes, were outdated. I have. No, I remember the early GSXR 600s were bad compared to, at the time, the Hondas yeah. and the Yamahas. This is in the 80s? No, no, the late, late 90s, early <laughs> 2000s, right? Those okay. were not good bikes okay. compared to the... the uh, were they horrible? No. But would I pick that over? No. But whereas the 750, the Estrad with the big old bubble butt, yeah, it was a good bike. To a point, they still had to do all kinds of shit to make them work, but it wasn't awful, right? And it wasn't a Honda RC45 that was you know, going to take you $200,000 to make go fast. Right? right. So that's the deal. That's what it got. That got that over the years. Anybody can go. It's the every man's super bike. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what has been the thing for me. It's just uh bang, bang for buck. You, you really couldn't go wrong. Uh, Cause every Jixer I've just hopped on and I'm, I'm more uh, 2000 and onward with. Yeah, them. sure. Uh, you know, could you say it's the best, it's the number one superbike? Maybe not, but it wasn't bad. You know, it was always right and tight, ready to go. Um, may not be the superbike of the year, but at the end of the day, like it's the rider it, making the difference. It's better than most of them for yeah. sure. It, if if you're losing races, it's not because of the bike. And the thousand, I mean, the local club, uh, Omra, the guy that won the championship for ten years in a row. He, I think, he was on a 2005 or six model. <laughs> For a long time, like up until recently, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know it because it just works, right? It had plenty of power. The electronic controls didn't matter. Really but that, So that's going to yeah. be the question is they're going to do a certain amount of stuff to the engine, I'm sure, but not a whole lot because well, it's well, already... Less, less interesting. So variable valve timing. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, you missed oh, that. Oh, man, that I didn't thing. read the asphalt and rubber article. You got to bone up. Oh. You're prone to bone. So variable valve timing. Variable valve timing, 10-level traction control yeah. which kind of means nothing without knowing what the traction control system yeah like. but you can just assume that they're they're doing a they good should, they job, should be doing a good job especially right? coming from a moto gp development sure thing. and um, they developed their own electronics in moto gp with mitsubishi so interesting it's an assumption but it's a good assumption launch control three different riding modes they're obviously gonna have ride by wire quick shifter with seamless upshifts and downshifts so they'll be doing the auto blipping okay but it's not a seamless gearbox not a seamless gearbox so you have to understand seamless gearboxes are a workaround for dual clutch transmission. So it's none of that. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, uh, quick shifter like we're used to, but it's up yeah. and down. So like the flipping, just like the like Panigale and the BMW and the, and the MV. Yep. Um, so very, very interesting. They've got a thing that they're calling the broad power system. It looks like, a. Hey, you know, that's terminology we don't like to use nowadays. Calling women broads is <laughs> it's not good, right? We, that's not the preferred nomenclature, dude. It's not the preferred nomenclature, dude. <laughs> Uh, sorry okay, the chinaman's so. not the issue <laughs> he peed on your fucking rug okay go sorry deus mio man <laughs> heard you rolled your way into the semis oh eight-year-olds <laughs> eight-year-olds eight-year-olds dude okay sorry um so yeah they're doing some interesting things they got some 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 good you know 
I love the the S Rad, and we got the you know they got the they always got like some like proprietary uh, like bro comes. name. So we got yeah. the with the broad power system. <laughs> we should just call it the bro power system. Yeah, bro is way better. Oh man, maybe we should we should. I'm gonna send them that email. Yeah, that bro. excuse me, guys, but I think oh. you're making a horrible mistake. Sure, but you know it's gonna so it's gonna have some some interesting things. I'll be very curious to see. Uh, what it's like when it's all said and done. They're saying it's going to be the lightest and most powerful Jixer ever. So that that's a pretty low bar at this point. Yeah. <laughs> when you're dealing with a, well, a bike that was built in like 2005, 2006, I think. Well, so, the, the iterations yeah. since then. Nah. Been, okay. Nah. Okay. I'd be interested to see. I don't know. I'm not much of a Jixer guy. The only time I've had to deal with Jixers, well, is all my friends that race other than me and that make fun of my Ducati racing because they buy Jixers and they're, you know, they can race cheap, quote unquote, right? Yeah. Then I watch their frames break and all kinds of bad things happen over. To, it's the same shit. Everybody has to beat the crap out of their vehicles. It's just that they can go on Craigslist and buy another one. They can buy three bikes th- for every one. The of yours. same day. <laughs> There's always that in our sixes, man. People will blow up engines at club races on Saturday at six o'clock in the evening. They will have an engine. Right for the next day, they're out there. Right, they're, so that's why. everywhere. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I get it. So the, I've seen a couple of pictures. It's interesting. There's the there's a couple of static display pictures, and then there's a couple of moving pictures. There's different colors on the intakes. Like there's a black, almost carbon look uh, thing going on with the intakes. It. I'm not gonna lie. It has a bit of a high sung 650 look to the <laughs> headlight. Uh, that was the first thing we we yeah. we, we noticed. Uh, me and a couple of friends that were looking at it. Like yeah. Then it has the the kind of baboon butt tail that almost is evocative of a late 90s katana. Yeah, okay, so somebody's doing the same designing and they're changing it, but it, not hating on it. I think it looks great. Most, some of these jixers, they're just like, oh God, you know, it's kind of, it's almost Predator with his mask off. Some of those, those most recent ones, like you are one ugly motherfucker, but this one looks good. I like it. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be stoked to ride it. Can't wait. Yep, 2017 can't get here soon enough. Not for Jixer time. Not for Jixer lovers. Not for those squid bait raptor <laughs> boys. Skippies. Just raptor popping boys. wheelies like <laughs> no other. Um, the Jixer hate is strong, but but oh man, unfounded. And it, it it's it totally comes down to just the people on the bike because I think the Jixers are fantastic machines, and I'm uh, super excited to see Suzuki wake up. Because I think I think we're seeing some good. It's good for the industry. It's good, it's good for the for industry. Everybody. It's good for the space. Uh, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a gander at the next one. That would be the Yamaha XSR 900. Okay, so here's the round headlight gone horribly effing wrong. This is the worst round headlight in the industry. I didn't. It's skinny. It's long, and it's put. All up so far, it's all gawky and stupid looking. Are you talking about the headlight? You're talking about me. Oh man, oof, yeah, self deprecating. Is that how do I say that? Yeah, I just uh, I lower the expectation, I I under promise over Over deliver. Sure, well, that's what's going on here. They're they're under promising and under delivering. (laughs) I do not like this bike, I think it looks horrible. Really? Oh, fucking every aspect of it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't hate, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Um, I'd ride that. I read the snot out of that. I I think it's just because the expectation. You know, they had they had the picture juxtaposed between this and the uh, the uh, two stroke mm, flat tracker. Yeah, you you should they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, because it just points out how 
effing ugly the bike is compared to that flat tracker it's high it's tall all of its weight is carried high at least the visual weight is carried high right so i don't care you can't put a bumblebee paint job on one of these bikes and just say it looks good you can't do that it doesn't work on this bike i do not like it i i reserve judgment until riding it i mean it's it's the fc09 underneath it's a it's a fine bike it's a nice cheap platform i think it's an attractive kind of cafe standard thing that they're doing they're trying to do a little heritage thing they're trying to get their hipster on they got they got rolling sands involved and they're you know all the uh i like that all the um non-studio photos have got like that instagram filter thing going on like oh what did you use valencia or or <laughs> what filter is that i don't know right you know sure it's like sure. okay that's okay you know if a if it, if it works, if it brings people into the brand, it's one of those things like, you know, it, it's a total hipster bike and we're going to hate on it. But if it gets someone riding motorcycles and they become a lifelong motorcyclist and they get into it, you know, more power. To I'm it. not even hating on it for a hipster at all. You just don't like the way it looks. I just think it's ugly. Yeah, sure. Whereas the other one, the you, M. You talking about the MT-10? Yeah. The empty? Empty promises. The MT-10? Empty promises. But it's not empty promises. It's delivered. Oh, my God. And I like it. I don't know. When when I first saw it, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. I should not like that. That's complex mechanical. But I'm like, dude, that's a transformer mid-transform, right? Every single one of these bikes should come with a brown paper bag that you can <laughs> put over its head because it is so ugly. Uh, it, it's one of those things, though, like, like usually you can kind of get a sense for some of these bikes, you know, how they're going to perform and, you yeah. know, you kind of have some pre-expectations uh, of what it's going to be like if you ever, you know, you go to the press launch when you finally get one on loan. Um, like this bike, I, I just, I know it's going to be a phenomenal bike. To ride. Oh, dude. I guarantee you it's going to be phenomenal because, because a bike that ugly <laughs> has to make it up to you on personality, you know, but you know, we joke, it's, it's a very interesting design. Cross, so it's got the cross. Let's talk about the meat of it though. It's got the cross plane. So finally, up to this point, the the FZ1. So this is a FZ1. Uh, this is what's what's replacing the FZ1, right? Well, that, see that. So it's interesting to call it the MT10, which means it could come to the US as the FZ10. And I, I, you know, I put it in the thing. Like this is not your grandpa's FZ1. Like you know, you look at the the Yamaha FZ1. You look who's riding those bikes. You know, this is like the classics. It's like one of the last sport tours on the market, really, right now. Yeah, sure. And it's an older demographic. These are serious guys who are putting down serious miles. And you look at the MT-10 and it's like, you know, this is geared to a younger, younger crowd. I really see these two bikes as being completely different demographic wise. So I think in a way you can bring, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure the MT-10 is even coming to the U.S. We haven't heard anything from, from Yamaha. Uh, they, were, they, had, they held a press launch uh, in SoCal in conjunction with the ICMA launch so that uh, journalists huh. could U.S. So journalists like could get their hands on last year with the R1. exactly, yeah. exactly, and there was no mention of the MT10. Would not talk about it, kind of thing. Maybe they're so judging, gauging. They may not know yet. It may not be coming. You know, we don't really have a definitive thing there. But if it did, I could totally see it standing side by side with the FC1 because I don't think they're going to bleed sales from each other. If you are into this. I don't even know how to describe it. District nine. It looks like District one of the creatures nine. in District Nine. <laughs> Seriously, one of the. Is this a prawn? It yeah. looks like a freaking prawn, prawn. mate. Oh, so that geez. that's interesting. I, I did, well, but uh, but not in an ugly way. I really I really enjoy the way it looks. The more and more I look at it, the more and more I'm attracted to it. But you, ha it's like, it's like a solar eclipse. Like you're looking at it knowing you shouldn't. Yeah. 
Maybe. You know, it's just rotting your brain. Certainly a lot better looking than that. Horrible, ugly R1. I really hate the R1s. I don't, unless they have race bike bodywork on it. And of course, the, they look the fine. Admiral Akbar R1s. It's yes. got like the little, like, yeah, with the eyes, the little low. fish, little Sure, it's a trap, fish. man. It's ugly. Yeah. I just hate them. I really do mm -hmm. not enjoy looking at those bikes at all. They're, they're just disjointed. Every the fairings don't flow well on the sides, whatever. When they're race bikes, they look fine, but they just look like a freaking any other sport bike race bike, and that's okay. This has some personality, and I like that, right? They are, they are ones or the FZ ones over the years have always been solid looking, standard, solid looking, nothing wrong with them. This one, I like the fact that they, they're going outside the envelope Nothing they are that. definitely outside the envelope they're they um you know, yama's been doing this dark side of japan thing with the MP mt line and uh you know this is definitely the pinnacle of it this is saying you know i think they they didn't they left it all on the court you know yeah they get they left it all out there and uh, we'll see what the reaction is i think it's going to do really well in the european market because the europeans are a little weird and twisted like that especially when it comes to their leader bike street fighters yeah sure um i think there's a place for it in the american market i don't think it's going to be a sales success but it's an interesting one it's better than the the b king i'll say that so it'd be similar to the b king where it's a design exercise it makes you go whoa that thing's yeah. gnarly but you would never buy it except for when they actually made that bike and they brought it out and then no really literally no one bought it right, right? well i mean I think we've talked about the B King before, you know, when you, when you show this like radical, oh, that's right. Supercharged sure. street fighter. And it had like led lights in the fuel tank and it was just kind of bitching and it had these exhaust cans coming to get the tail. And then you come out with like just this neutered kind of just, I was going to say limp dick, but that's probably not an appropriate thing to say on a podcast, but just kind of like this, just kind of like bland. Blah. You took, you took everything cool about the bike and got rid of it. Except for like the, the, the weird design everything except my broken dream <laughs> there's a picture of this bike that somebody has highlighted the eyeballs and made them look like demons it's just it's it is so evil looking with that i, I i'm almost we're almost gonna have to post a picture of that on the put on, up on the facebook on page the, on the facebook page because yeah. it's really it's like whoa that's a scary looking bike but i like it there's there's too much going on from a design standpoint it's like the Sulaco or the Nostromo, and, and the it, it looks like the uh, the alien spacecraft, one of those alien spacecrafts combined with a prawn from District Nine. There it is. There, there's your there's your love making that went on there. Happily put, happily put. Very, uh, very interesting design from Yamaha. Very interesting to see what they had to show. I, I think I don't think you could take two bikes in like the naked street yeah. segment. Sure. And make them more dichotomous. No, totally. That's I mean that's what's surprising about me is how much I hate the other one. And how much I love this. I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. As soon as you put, you put the thing up, and I, I had, had been paying attention, and whatever you put, picture you posted up, and you went on a you know, double-bag this thing rant on either oh, Facebook, yeah, Facebook or yeah, on... Oh, it. Right? I was like, I didn't even, I, I didn't even know, so I kind of dig in. I'm like, wait a second. I, I actually don't mind that. That's strange, right? I normally agree with your assessments of the bikes, but I'm totally all about it. No, right. We don't have to agree every time. Sure. Just as long as you know I'm always right. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, let's wrap this show up with the only American brand worth a damn to talk about right now. Sure. Victory Motorcycles. Uh, I don't think um, it was really funny because I remember seeing a few publications did kind of like their ICMA wrap up Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. And it was like they forgot that Victory was was debuting. Wednesday morning in Milan because I think 
um, one of the more important bikes to come out of the show was this uh, victory ignition concept uh, on a lot of levels. I think it, it talks about what victory is doing as far as becoming more sport focused. It shows a lot uh, edgier kind of things coming from the brand. Obviously it's not a production bike, but it, you know, victory was not bashful in saying that this is something that is getting closer and closer and closer to what they're going to release uh, very soon. Um, and then of course they also brought out a, a cheaper scout model and you know, that's, that's always cool to see and, and totally not on my alley and totally not in the focus of, of asphalt and rubber, but man, this is victory ignition. I think, uh, I think it really raised a lot of eyebrows. I know it got a lot of traffic on our site. I know it got a lot really? of press. This yeah. did? Yeah. I think that says something, you know, if it's getting a lot of traffic on our site, it's hitting something. It doesn't hit anything with me at all. Really? Blah. Really? Same old shit. I don't even know you anymore. Sorry, just blah. How does this not get you excited? I've got nothing for it, man. It's it's the only thing that excites me is the Marzoki forks look really cool, right? <laughs> the headlight, dude. Isn't that like can't you oh buy that God. headlight? That, can't I everyone, type in do I don't know motorcycle headlight on eBay and is, come up with that, that headlight? Is, that is like the the quintessential. I think the Yamaha. Um, um, I want to say MT3 or whatever, or it, is. whatever it was. I've seen it before. It's been around forever. Right? And, the, and the rest of I don't know any. Ramo uses it. Yeah. So Victory's using that, it here. That, and Zero sad. uses it. And You're going to come out with something like this? Bring some. Bring the ruckus, man. And I don't mean the Honda ruckus. I mean, bring the like Wu-Tang style. Bring the ruckus. Will, this is not it. I will cede uh, you the 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 headlight argument. Th- to, to be fair, and this goes back to that same reason why that round LED headlight's everywhere. My understanding is it costs almost a hundred thousand dollars to homologate a headlight with sure. DOT sure. and its sure. equivalents in Europe. Like it's like there's just one of those things. Like that's the red tape. You gotta show that it's shatterproof and oh, it's yeah. got to be able to withstand things yeah. and underwritten and I all get it. that jazz. I get so it. you know this is one of those like it's the design. It's been rubber stamped. It's good to go. You can buy them probably from some uh, manufacturer in China or it's Southeast such Asia. It's a critical for thing cheap. though. You have to be unique when you make a motorcycle. You have to try something. And the fact that they just kind of was like, and Oh, is, just grab that one headlight and we'll just put it on there. And it is. Especially- it no go. Not, not for me. I'm not impressed by that. Uh, the rest of it, the, the engine looks impressive as far as the engine goes. I don't really know. Is that a, is that a, a derivative of another engine? That, that so that's the, so that's, that's the one thing we're supposed to take away from this bike is that is the, the production ready water cooled um the project 156 engine the the thing that they made the 156 which is the pike speak race bike that was a at the time it was just a development exercise this is what is supposed to be not development this is yeah that's lock stock ready to go all right well then hopefully what they'll do is come up with their own headlight and right, they have you know they, they will. You know I they get will. it. It's a small ish company, not small. No, it's it's this, Polaris at the end the, of the day. The it's team huge. that was on this was probably small. They're trying to get it done quick, and they said, "All right, we can get this engine." Just like the story that they they tried to build for the for the Pikes Peak race, where they they were up against the gun and they only had three months to get it. Whatever they probably did the same thing here. My, got my, it out. My and, understanding was Urs Erbacher, who who who's a he builds uh, custom choppers, drag bikes. European builder did this did this okay so right you know, there there's a little bit of that going on I you know I think for a prototype yeah I think there's some value saying like, you don't need to have a DOT headlight on a prototype that you're going to show at a trade show and I don't know jazz, I but just, the Diablo looks way better than this by like a long shot for me to be fair now this is something I didn't I didn't even realize until now 
uh, that headlight is the same headlight that's on what is now called the Victory Impulse R. Yeah, the Bramo. The Bram, which is basically the Bramo. Uh-huh. Uh, or no, sorry, Impulse TT. Um, whatever they're calling the Bramo Impulse these days. So it's the same headlight. So there is a little bit of a design language going on there. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I could see that. But, you know, for me, I, I love the way the bike looks. So I get excited about it. It's it's a it's a cruiser-style bike that I would totally want to ride. If it was in my garage, I'd be totally stoked. Um, it just looks heavy to me, and that's it. I, 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 I'm, yeah. But, you know, you got to understand, like, you know, coming, like, what do you expect from Victory? You know, what do you expect from Victory Motorcycles as far as, like, you know, up until now, they've just been kind of making you know, cruisers that weren't Harleys that weren't trying to be Harley Davidson's, you know, they're kind of doing this like modern cruiser, you know, here's, here's a sportier version of it. And we just see the brand getting sportier and sportier and sportier. And I think that bodes really well. Maybe they'll build a bike that you and I genuinely get excited about yeah, okay. and are genuinely excited to like own and ride and romp around on. Cause, cause that would open up, you know, cause victory only sells like 20,000 bikes a year kind of thing. Yeah. But that's a lot of motorcycles, right? Not when you're can in a space where Harley Davidson sells 200,000 a year in in America. Sure. But for you know. what they are and the brand that they've got since what, 99 or 2000, it's, yeah. it hasn't been around for that long. Yeah. So yeah, that, that combined with the Indian, um, they right they're, they're kind of sister companies, brother companies. Well, yeah. They're both owned by Polaris. Sure. So I, I guess I expect more. Yes, I expect more, right. but I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical about what they'll come up with but hopefully they come up with something good like you said it's not a race to the bottom until they prove that it's a race to the bottom if they're if they're going fast and they're doing well and they're they're sponsoring racing and they're trying to get their name out there great which they're doing mm-hmm. and I, I, we, we touched on that at some point in time in the recent past so right on and good on them for doing that yeah. no I'm, I'm very excited i think i think polaris is making a ton of right moves in the industry i'm excited for what indian is doing as far as competing with Harley Davidson, I'm excited what, what Victory is doing as far as taking over the electric project with the Bramo, building bikes like this, building out their line. So they're not just kind of like these weird kind of niche cruisers. They're coming, they're becoming more of a, uh, a range of motorcycles. Um, you know, I just see, I just see growth in their future, uh, publicly traded company. I don't know. I don't own stock in them other than it would be a total conflict of interest. So, uh, interesting stuff, interesting stuff from Polaris and it's, and it's subsidiaries. Yeah. One last thing. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, I think we are done here. Um, how do I turn off your microphone? I think there's a button on this recorder. Click. Okay, yeah. I'm done. Um, but yeah, I think so. Between between this episode and the previous episode, I think we've got pretty much all of Eichma rounded up. Uh, it's been a hellish week for me. Uh, pretty much started on Sunday in earnest and ended literally today, la- this morning. Um, and I think I slept, I think between those, I can't even count how many days that is. Four days. I slept like 10 hours. Yeah. I think I wrote 50 articles or whatever. Yeah, we did. I know. That's a prolific amount of writing. It was, it was busy, but like I said, Christmas time, Christmas time is here. Santa, Santa brought his presents. Um, I wouldn't say it was the best ICMA show we've ever had. I think we saw a lot of the stuff ahead of time. Um, we didn't really see anything, uh, stand out like, uh, last year with the R1 the R1 dominated the show and was, was all the talk and all the rage. Uh, I think the, the Husqvarna 701, uh, plane was probably the big, the big winner, uh, for this year. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, I think there's some interesting things percolating. 
in the industry. And uh, there's definitely, it definitely looks like things are growing. It definitely thinks uh, like things are moving in the right direction. I'm excited for the next year. And um, I think with that, Quentin, what do we need to say? Kickstands up. Still doing that, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. I, I'm surprised you haven't like jumped on the, the Wonderlick thing now. Sorry, I closed the computer. Yeah, thank God. Kickstands Wonderlick. <laughs> Wonderleak. <laughs> Wonderleash. I would just say follow us on, on uh, social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you're listening to iTunes, thank you for the uh, reviews and ratings that you've given us. If you haven't, please do so. We greatly appreciate it. Send us uh, emails if you have any questions or just want to say we couldn't stop playing the stupid Wonderlick sound. Two enthusiasts at asphaltandrubber.com. And with that, good talk. And we'll see you out there and talk next week about all sorts of good things. All right. And get some sleep. Yeah, I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> Get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs>